for our sermon, for our message, actually, we have some very special guests with us today, our missionary partners in Japan, uh, if you guys want to come on up, uh, not only our missionary partners in Japan, but less importantly, also my cousins, uh, Jay and Caitlin Greer uh, are here with us. Actually, I should probably clarify, they're not both my cousins, they're not both related to me, because that would be weird. Um, Jay is officially my cousin, uh, our, my mom, his dad related, and then uh, Caitlin is cousin through marriage, and, and also really good friends. Uh, I get to, got to be at, at college with both of these guys, and there are a few people that I've spent more time laughing with and laughing harder with, um, and there's also few people who truthfully have encouraged me more in my life, not just from conversations we've got to have, but, but just watching the ministry that God has been doing through them over on the other side of the world. Uh, every time I get to hear about the things that are going on in Japan through Mustard Seed, their church planning network, I am strengthened and I am challenged and I am so excited for you to get to hear from them today about those things. Jay's going to fill you in a little bit about Mustard Seed and what they're doing, so I'll leave that to him. Him. But what we would like to do is before they begin is just to, to pray over them. And I want to ask that you would, uh, as we like to say sometimes, not just listen to me pray, but agree with me in prayer over them and their churches and their ministry at this time. So let me do that. Dear Father, I praise you for the good news of the gospel. And I praise you and thank you for sending that to us. And I thank you for your goodness and faithfulness to send that to people in Japan through mustard seed. And right now we pray uh, for the ministry that is taking place over there, specifically at the church in Tokyo where Jay and Caitlin are at. We pray, Lord, that that ministry would be something that is not run on human wisdom or strength or power, but that it would be by the power of your Holy Spirit that the work is taking place there. We pray that you would continue to soften the soil of people's hearts around them so that the gospel can take root and, and bear much fruit. I pray, Lord, that you would raise up leaders for their churches, elders for the church there who can be godly men leading and instructing the church and shepherding them. And I ask, along with the Apostle Paul, Lord, that you would open a door for their message there in Japan. Uh, that you would make hearts ready and that you would help Jay and Caitlin and the rest of the team uh, to declare the word of God clearly and with boldness. Lord, that you would bring revival and redemption to the people of Japan. We ask you that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our reader for the text today will actually be uh, Caitlin here who's going to read to us from John 9, mostly in English and then going to share a portion of that in Japanese with us today. Let's read John 9. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. 
So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought the Pharisees, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus had made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight, and he said to them, he put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What did you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he's a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess to Jesus, uh, confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So for a second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I've told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to also become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. The man answered, why is this an amazing thing? You, I'm sorry, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never once the world, never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he, would, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, 
And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. Jesus said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would, have, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. This is the word of the Lord. Lord Jesus, right now we praise you. You are holy. We praise you that in history, in time and space, you healed a man of blindness. We praise you for healing spiritual blindness as well. I pray that you'll open our eyes to see you this morning and to see your glory through your word. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, Sunnybrook, good morning. Uh, it's wonderful to be able to be with you. It's been a while since we've been able to see you. Uh, actually, the last time that we were here physically present in the United States was January 2020. So I need you to go ahead and fill me in. Did anything happen while I was gone? Anything else? Um, I'll give you a little bit of a report about what's happened in Japan and kind of a refresher on our ministry. God's done some great things, and we're very, very thankful. Uh, it's been 14 years that we've worked in Japan with an organization called Mustard Seed Network. And the mission of Mustard Seed Network is to glorify God by making disciples through planting gospel-centered churches in urban Japan. Why Japan? Uh, less than 1% of Japan is Christian. Here in the United States, there's one church for every 800 people. And in Japan, there's one church for every 16,000 people. So there's just a need for more witnesses to Jesus. It's estimated that 95% uh, of the people in Japan have never heard the gospel of Jesus. And so we want to go and share with people who have never heard for God's glory and their eternal joy. Uh, to that end, we have a goal. We would like to plant 12 churches in 12 uh, large cities in Japan. And the last time that we were here, I was able to tell you we have four churches in Japan. And now, uh, two and a half years later, we're able to say we have six churches uh, in Japan. As during the last couple of years, Tokyo was planted. It was launched in 2020. And then Sendai was launched in 2021. And the seventh church plant is on the way in the city of Hiroshima. Uh, it's a city, uh, Hiroshima, that was beautifully rebuilt uh, after the atomic bomb in 1945. It's gorgeous, a good place to live, and yet it needs more churches. At all of these churches, uh, we've seen about 50 more baptisms since last time we were here uh, across this network of churches. We've had more teammates trained. We're incredibly thankful uh, for the good things that God is doing. Also, the last time uh, that we were here in Stillwater, uh, we said we we're planning to go back. Uh, it was November 2019. We we're planning to go back and launch the church in Tokyo. 99% uh, of this city that you see on the screen uh, does not believe in Jesus, and there's 37 million people in Tokyo, making it the largest concentration of lost people in the world. 
And the date that we had picked to launch this church in Tokyo was March 1st, 2020. That was our launch date. And three days before that, the Prime Minister of Japan uh, shut down all the public schools for two weeks to let the whole COVID thing just blow over in two weeks and then we'd be back to normal. Uh, We ended up having a three-month lockdown uh, in Japan. uh, And needless to say, the first year of the church plant looked nothing uh, like we had planned, nothing like we had imagined. And yet we've seen 19 people baptized there in Tokyo and 100 people are gathering to worship uh, every year in this, or every week in this uh, two-year-old church plant in the heart of the world's largest city. God is doing great things and I want you to know about it because you're a part of it. Quite literally, you're a part of it because I know many of you pray. Uh, people have told me before and after the service uh, earlier this morning, hey, I'm praying for you and we're so thankful for your prayers. Also, your pastor, Jim, Uh, He serves on the management team for the church plant in Tokyo. That's uh, temporary eldership until local eldership can be established. So he serves by giving oversight to me, and we're thankful for that. Uh, You also give. You give financially. And those sacrifices that are made, are they they go a long way. They really help us. And for all of that, we're thankful. We're thankful for this church. Uh, Let's let's start off this morning with a good old... um, eyesight test, the eye test. Uh, You see these two charts on the screen up here. Um, One of them I grew up with on the left there, the western eye chart. Uh, Everyone I think understands how to do this. You just say the letters, read the first line. You go around and say the letters. And then I moved to Japan and I went to go take a driver's test and first I had to take this test that you see on the right. And so I look into this little thing and they say, read the first line. My first thought is something like the letter C backwards, the letter C turns sideways, the letter C, the letter C, the letter C turns upside down. And uh, I don't know, have you, have you figured it out? Whisper to the person next to you if you understand how to do this. It took me a little bit, but then I figured it out. You're saying where the opening is on the circle. You're getting it. Yeah, yeah. So you would be like left, top, right, right, bottom, top. And that's how they test your vision in Japan. As they get smaller, they look like full circles. And so... My point in showing you this is to say this. There are different ways to test your vision. What would a spiritual eyesight test be? What would we look at to test our spiritual sight or blindness? We don't look at a chart. Instead, we look at Jesus to test our spiritual vision. There is one universal spiritual vision test for all people, and that is Jesus Christ. 1 John 5, uh, verse 12 says, Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Uh, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If any human wants to know if they have spiritually healthy eyes, they need to look at Jesus and then see what they think about him. So when you spiritually or figuratively look at Jesus, meaning hear the gospel, read the Bible, what do you see? Do you see a myth, a normal man, a false teacher, a magician, a Western religious tradition that we need to move past as a society? Do you see something that's been taken captive for the political agenda of some? Do you see a pointless story that has nothing to do with me? Or do you see the eternal Son of God. 
When you see Jesus, do you see your creator and savior who loves you? Do you see glory? You see glory of the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth, like we read in John chapter 1, verse 18. Jesus is God in flesh, revealing God to us. He's the I am through whom all things were created, and that is true no matter who you are. When you look at Jesus, do you see life and light and bread for all people who believe? When you look at Jesus' death on the cross, what do you see? Do you see a senseless death? Do you see mere history? Or do you see, as one pastor called it, the blazing center of the glory of God? God's glorious love on display for us. God loves us so much that he sent Jesus, God the Son, to die for our sins in our place. And Jesus' death on the cross is a powerful display of the love of God. Look at our spiritual vision test in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, in their case, the God of this world, that Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In seeing Jesus, we see the glory of God, but some do not see Jesus' glory and beauty. They're spiritually blind. They don't see God's love. They don't see beauty. They don't see grace. They don't see hope. They've been blinded by unbelief and sin, like we read about in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, where it says, men, by their unrighteousness, suppress the truth. So what's the cure for this? What's the cure for spiritual blindness? This is today's main point. The cure for spiritual blindness is to see the glory of Jesus and worship him. And we're going to see this spiritual eyesight test and the cure for spiritual blindness play out in John chapter 9. Look at it with me again, starting in verses 1 and 2. It says, Jesus saw a man who is blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi... Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? When you hear this, it almost sounds as if Jesus' disciples are believing in karma, this idea from the East, where I live. It almost sounds like they believe in karma with this question. This wasn't karma necessarily, but an assumption that a person with a disease or disability must have received that disease or disability due to sin. And it's False. Jesus destroys the idea of karma in verse 3. Look at verse 3. Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. One theologian said, Jesus doesn't focus on the cause of the blindness. He focuses on the purpose. Jesus doesn't focus on the cause of the blindness. He focuses on the purpose of the blindness. What is the purpose of every hardship from the last two and a half years? What is the purpose of every hardship before 2020 and every hardship from 2023 and beyond should Jesus not return first? The purpose of all things is to give glory to God. And this man's blindness can give glory to God. There is no karma. And therefore, you should not ever feel shame for experiencing a hardship. And on the other hand, if life's going really well, there's no karma. You didn't do anything to deserve it. 
It's not because you're great and somehow pleasing God a little bit more and doing it the right way, better than those who are experiencing hardships. You'll hear it said, well, I must have done something right to deserve this. That idea is false. Some people are made to feel that they are sick or poor because they are not holy enough, and, the, and it's just not true. The people in the Bible, including Jesus, suffered immensely with joy that led to glory for God, and we know that our hardships can also be used to glorify God. But are we aware of that truth while we are experiencing hardships, when we're going through the midst of something hard, are we realizing that? What hardships or burdens did you carry in with you this morning? They are hard. They're not a result of karma. Let God give purpose to your pain. John 9, 5. Jesus said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus said that same phrase, I am the light of the world, in the previous chapter, chapter 8, verse 12, which you looked at two weeks ago with Cousin Drew. Notice the connection between light and perception and sight as God orchestrates all of these things to teach us about spiritual perception of truth, as Jesus said in John 8, 31. He said, if you're my followers, you'll know the truth. 14, 6, which we already read earlier, John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the truth. He's teaching us, see me, follow me, you'll know the truth. Your eyesight will be working perfectly. Look at verses 6 and 7. Having said these things to the disciples, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva And then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Came back seeing. That was it. That's the whole thing. This most like amazing moment in this man's whole life does not have a Hollywood soundtrack accompanying it or a drum roll or anything like that. It's three English words in the Bible. That was the whole miracle. That was all the action. It was right there. Simple phrase. But don't skip over the fact that came back seeing is telling us that this guy who had never seen objects or light had his eye and optic nerve and brain healed in a moment to be turned into a seeing person. Uh, Some of us may wonder about Jesus' method for healing him. Why make spit mud and rub it on the guy's eyes. Surely this is against some kind of CDC COVID protocol to rub your saliva on someone's eyes. Jesus had a purpose in the mud. Jesus is drawing our attention back to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1 and 2. Genesis 2 verse 7, it says, then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground. In the beginning, God created man out of mud or dirt, and Jesus is now recreating this man's eyes with mud. This is a symbol. It's telling us Jesus is the creator, the agent through whom God the Father made all things. He's the word. God spoke creation into existence. Jesus is the word through whom all things were made, as John 1.3 tells us. Jesus is the God who created us and who recreates hearts. He's the God who promises to one day recreate the whole world and make it new. Go to verses 8 through 12. We're going to speed up through this part of the story. The neighbors see the man who is healed. They recognize him and they say, isn't this the guy who used to sit, who was blind, who's sitting there begging? And some of them say, yes, that's him. Others say, no, he just looks like him. 
Ancient people, notice this, ancient people were naturally skeptical just like you and I. They weren't ready to believe any trick right away. They were skeptical. And the man who had been healed kept on saying, I I am the man. They asked, well, how can you now see? The man formerly known as blind man says, well, this guy named Jesus, he made some mud. He put it on my eyes and now I've washed, now I can see. The crowd says, okay, where is the Jesus guy? The guy who was healed says, come to think of it, I don't know where he is. Verses 13 to 17, the healing was on a Sabbath when Jews rest from all activities, including but not limited to making mud. The religious leaders said, this Jesus guy is a sinner. He worked on the Sabbath. Others are saying, how does a sinner have the power to heal? What do you think, guy who was healed? The man who was healed says, he's a prophet. So here we have hot takes are flying, and there was a controversy over Jesus' identity once again. Verses 18 and 19 says that the religious leaders did not believe that the man had been blind to begin with. I think if Jesus had performed this miracle on the sidewalk on OSU's campus or something, we would probably assume the very same thing. We would think, ah, this guy who actually could see, he was pretending to be blind, and the guy came around for some kind of YouTube stunt. It's a natural assumption to say maybe the guy was never blind to begin with. So they call in his parents. I want you to look at how they answer in verses 20 to 23. His parents answered, we know this is our son. Check. And that he was born blind, check. But how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone could, uh, should confess Jesus to be Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, he's to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Just ask him. Here we see social persecution start to develop. Verse 22 says that if anyone called Jesus the Christ, they're kicked out of the Jewish community. They're ostracized. Now, the fear of being punished with social isolation has been an element of the Japanese group culture that I used to have to explain to Americans, but now, thanks to cancel culture, you all understand. You get how this works. You're kicked out of the group. You're ostracized. There are people here in Stillwater and people in Tokyo who face social persecution if they follow Jesus and become a Christian and they worry about losing friends or losing respect. And if you face that threat of social persecution or being excluded, I want you to watch what happens to the blind man. And I want you to see how Jesus comforts him in the following verses. We're going to get there in just a little bit. For now, know this. Jesus will never leave you, even if everyone else leaves you. Verses 24 and 25 says, so for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. This man's testimony is beautiful. He says, one thing I know, Jesus changed my life. I used to be blind. Now I can see. You may try to share your faith with people. Some friends and family might try to share your faith, and they might then ask you really, really difficult questions, questions that you might feel are way over your pay grade. I want to challenge you, try to answer those questions. Read an apologetics book, study up, uh, ask somebody, give them a book, 
But if you don't know the answer, you can always bring them here, introduce them to a staff member. There are staff members at this church who are salivating for the opportunity to engage people with these hard questions about which they've studied so much. But if you don't know the answer, you can always say this. Here's one thing I know. I was spiritually blind, and now I see. They keep pushing the man who is blind, asking, how did he heal you? How did he heal you? And they want to confirm that Jesus broke the Sabbath by making mud on a day of rest. I want you to look at this guy's awesome response in verse 27. I've told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? The religious leaders, they become furious, and they start arguing back and forth. This is this guy's first day of sight since he was born. If you had been blind from birth and you received your sight, how would you spend your first day? This guy spends his first day of seeing, arguing with the influential leaders in his society about the goodness of Jesus. I like this guy. The man who had been healed says, if he can heal people, don't you think he's from God? In verse 34, they say, you were steeped in sin at birth, blind man. How dare you try to teach us about God? Then verse 34 says, they cast him out of the synagogue, out of the Jewish religious community. This is the social persecution that his parents were afraid of. He's been canceled by the religious leaders. This man chose to follow Jesus, and now he's kicked out of the community. And after he's canceled, after he's kicked out of the community, who accepts him? Jesus accepts him. Many in, uh, in Japan, in our churches in Japan, they face social persecution. We've talked to a lot of people who have been threatened with things like, if you get baptized, we're not going to pay for your college tuition anymore. We've talked to a lot of spouses who are told, uh, if you're baptized, I'm going to get a divorce. Sunnybrook, when you become a Christian and you don't feel welcome in your home or in your circle of friends or in your workplace or in your circle of academic colleagues or in your nation, you need to know this. Jesus will meet you there. He will comfort you with his love and promises. Look at verses 34 and 35. Jesus heard that they cast him out. And then having found him, apparently Jesus then went looking for him. Having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Son of Man, that's his title for Jesus from the Old Testament. And remember that the man has not seen Jesus yet, right? Jesus put mud on his eyes while he's still blind. He tells him to go away and go wash in this pool. And then he washes, he's healed, he opens his eyes, he can see, but he's no longer anywhere near Jesus. So he's not seen Jesus. I, Jay, I have never, I have never seen Jesus. All Christians here and 99.99% of Christians throughout history have not seen Jesus. But like this man, 
We have been changed. We have spoken for him. Some of us have been kicked out of social circles for Jesus. And there will come a day when Jesus returns or when we die that we will see the Savior for whom we have suffered and to whom we owe salvation and joy. Now the formerly blind man asks, who is he? I want you to look at Jesus' response in verses 37 and 38. Jesus said to him, you have seen him. It is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. The man sees Jesus, he sees the glory of God, and he worships Jesus as God. Earlier he was healed of physical blindness, but now this man is healed of spiritual blindness. More important than his physical eyesight, this man now has perfect spiritual eyesight. If we could go and interview this man and then ask him, which is more important, physical eyesight or spiritual eyesight, what do you think he would say? I think he would say something like some preachers have imagined him saying, well, I've been in heaven for almost 2,000 years in joy with God, and I will live for eternity with God and all of God's people in perfect joy. I think I could have tolerated another 20, 30, or 40 years of physical blindness. But without spiritual vision, I would be doomed to death and hell. And I'm thankful that Jesus saved my soul. In heaven, don't you think that this man born blind now sees the purpose to his pain of bringing glory to Jesus. He sees the purpose. My blindness brought glory to Jesus. And in heaven, we will all rejoice in our earthly temporary hardships that brought glory to God. Look at how Jesus talks about spiritual vision at the very end of the chapter, verse 39. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. Jesus is saying, Yes, you claim to be spiritual authorities, and yet you are rejecting God in flesh living among you. Yes, you're spiritually blind. Rejection of Jesus is spiritual blindness, and faith in Jesus is seeing the truth. The cure to spiritual blindness is to see Jesus and then worship him. That's the big lesson that we learn from this story. And yet there's another lesson in here. I want to make sure that we see it. All the miracles in John, they're called signs. And the signs always tell us something about Jesus. And this sign shows us that Jesus is the Son of God who has power to create and make all things new. Three days after Jesus died for sins on the cross, he rose from the dead. He has an eternal glorious body and he promised to raise all who believe in him in the same way. He promised to return in the future and he promised a new perfected body for us. God in heaven will come down to earth and the earth will be renewed and in the renewed creation we will live with God in our new bodies. That's what Philippians 3 says. It says, our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. All of the miracles where Jesus is healing someone, they're little previews 
little previews of that day when Jesus returns and gives us glorious, perfect bodies to all who believe in him. And so today, I'm not going to say, hey, who would like to be healed? And raise your hand, and you're going to receive a healing today. That's not a promise we can make. But we can promise that there is a day of healing that is coming. This past uh, January, I got LASIK to correct my horrible vision. And um, it was not a miraculous healing. Uh, it's just a little surgery, right? And uh, I had 18 years of glasses life. So... And what's been interesting is since that time, uh, finding these little artifacts from my 18 years of glasses life uh, around the house or in bags or in the car and stuff like that, I'll find things like lens cleaners, which I don't need anymore. And I'll find all these old pairs of glasses uh, and uh, prescription sunglasses, which, you know, shade the sun, but you can't see anything out of them. Or I'll find, you know, glasses cases or the tiny little screwdrivers to repair your glasses. None of these things I need. Uh, my, my, my vision is fixed now. I don't need any of those things. What will we not need in heaven? What will become artifacts of a broken world? Wheelchairs, hearing aids, canes, and walking sticks no longer needed. In heaven, we won't need prosthetic limbs or pacemakers or inhalers. Bottles of medication, pain pills, allergy pills, antidepressants, medicated ointments of various kinds. No more EpiPens, no more blood sugar readers, no more oxygen tanks, no more masks, no more face shields, no more vaccines or the opinions that go along with them. No more back braces, no more ice packs, no more bandages or orthopedic shoes. Those who are paraplegics will dance, and those who are depressed will feel joy and know that there is no more darkness hiding in the corners of their hearts, and those who are deaf will hear the music that worships Jesus as God and Savior. Belief in Jesus is the cure to spiritual blindness, but in another way, it's also the final and eternal cure to every physical ailment as well. Philippians 3 says he's going to transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. It's an amazing promise. In uh, the last church plant that we were at before Tokyo in the city of Osaka, there's a guy uh, named Yuki who came to church. He was invited by one of our church members uh, who met him at work, and he, uh, he came to church, and Yuki had these really high-powered hearing aids and also these really thick uh, glasses, um, and he had this um, reading device that would magnify letters to make them about that big, and he'd hold it next to his one seeing eye, and he could therefore read that way. And uh, Yuki came to church. And he heard the gospel. And he went through our first steps class, which is this little class that teaches people the basics of the Christian message. And after hearing this gospel message, he believed and he professed faith. And he said, I want to be baptized. He was part of the 99% in Japan who do not believe in Jesus and do not have the blessings of life with God now and do not have the hope of eternal life with a new body. So how can he be healed? How can he be healed of all of his afflictions and ailments, all of them like sin and death and hell and temporary blindness and deafness that he has lived with? The day of his baptism came and Yuki uh, 
would have to take off his glasses and his hearing aids uh, to go in the water. But he said, I want to hear the declaration of, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So I want to keep in the hearing aids as long as possible, okay? So he gets in the water, and he's sitting there, and I say, and someone ran up, and he took out the hearing aids, and he handed it to the person, and then Yuki went down into the water in dead silence, and he came back up out of the water, and the person ran over and handed him a towel, and he dried off his ears and handed him the hearing aids, and he put them in, and he came back to the living world of sound with brothers and sisters, yeah all cheering and clapping and singing and celebrating around him while he and I and all of us were still deaf to the celebration in heaven mentioned by Jesus in Luke 15, 7, that there is joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. Did Yuki experience a miraculous healing of his eyes and ears that day? No. But that day it became a not yet. Thanks to Jesus, he will one day. And one day, so will you and I. Therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. One day our eyes will see the cloud of witnesses and our ears will hear the noise of joy if we keep our eyes fixed on the founder of our faith. And we'll join in the celebration. You're invited to that celebration, but you have to have your spiritual vision healed. Believe that God loves you enough to send his son Jesus to die for your sins. Believe that he rose from the dead and believe that he saves you by his grace and not our own power. And to all who believe in Jesus, for eternity we will say with the man healed in John 9, I once was blind, but now I see. To those who are believers with us, we're now going to have this time to spiritually look to Jesus and with spiritual eyes see his glory and celebrate his glory and his awesomeness. This is, this is a time of communion. And if you don't have uh, the bread and the grape drink, go ahead and get that now uh, or pull that out. As a body of Christ, take the bread that represents Jesus' body given for us. Take the cup that represents Jesus' blood 
poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you for creating all things. You are holy. We thank you for sending Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you for suffering on the cross for our sins, for the life that you've given to us. We thank you for sending the Spirit to open our eyes. I pray that we would walk this week with eyes wide open, fixed on you. For any who are here who do not yet have their spiritual vision healed to see the glory of Jesus, I pray that you would open their eyes.